What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 32 of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Roscoe, and what an unbelievable weekend we had last weekend. If you guys followed the podcast on both Saratoga Today with me and Patrick and our Del Mar show last week, hopefully you guys cashed because we ended up cashing some pretty good tickets. I'll go over here in a second just to pat ourselves on the back a little bit, but looking ahead to this weekend, let alone last weekend, but this weekend at Saratoga, they have an 11 race card on a Friday, including the grade two Amsterdam stakes that we will be talking about going over the late pick five. And then after that talk with my co-hosts, Patrick and Charlie, we'll be inviting Jim Miller back on Bedden and Boozen for the second time, second week running to talk about the late pick four at Hawthorne tomorrow, Thursday, uh, July 27th. Um, like I said, for Hawthorne and then tomorrow, guys, tomorrow for the flagship show. This is a major, major show that I will also be touching on later because we have a very, very special guest. You'll see it scrolling on the bottom of the screen right now. But tomorrow, Howard, Pete and Paul will be going over the late pick five at Del Mar on first Saturday for Bing Crosby Day and the Bing Crosby Stakes and the San Diego Handicap Stakes. So it's going to be a great show for Delmar, but we have a very special guest, as I said before, Frank Miramati will be live tomorrow, Thursday night with Howard, Pete, and Paul on the flagship show, um, going, o- going over you know how Frank got into broadcasting and everything about him. If you want to see Frank Miramati live, smash that like button and smash that subscribe button to not miss out on any new shows. And that leads me right into the good stuff. So, again, scrolling on the bottom of the screen, bettingandboozing at gmail.com is my email. Please email me with any um, questions, comments, concerns. If you're more of an audio listener, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. We post every single episode of Betting and Boozing, as well as every other episode that goes up on the HHH Racing Podcast post to these three audio platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Rate, review, and subscribe over there. The Howard, the HHH Racing Podcast Power Picks. Guys, like I said, these have just been on fire recently. We're still climbing that ROI back up to what it was last year. We ended with a 2.6 ROI, 2.65, excuse me, ROI at the end of the year of 2022. In 2023, we're now up to 2.34 ROI. Anything over $2 is a profit. And you're getting profitable pick sheets for $4 a weekend. It's $15.99 a month, which is how Patreon bills it. But $4 a weekend, you get four sheets, two tracks on each power picks. And guys, if you're not subscribed, you're missing out for a very cheap and profitable tip sheet. Patreon.com slash HHH Racing Podcast. The link is below my face here or down in the description box below. And as well as regular power picks we have our saratoga only power picks going on still until tomorrow night um howard will be sending them out early so you're going to want to get in as soon as possible for saratoga power picks as he's going to saratoga this weekend to watch two of his horses run as well as whitney day next weekend where we will all be there minus charlie because he's born but um, if you have not subscribed to Saratoga Only Power Picks, please go to hhhracingpodcast.com, the Power Picks tab on the top of the screen when you see it, and it'll bring you directly to the page. It is $14.99. If you're a current normal Power Picks subscriber, you get the whole weekend for $15. Again, that's three full card analysis. That's 
ABCs, spot plays, any other caveman pick fives, all analysis for every single race on a given day we cover. Again, that's $15. That's $5 a day for current Power Pick subscribers. And for the full week and for the weekend slate for non-current power pick subscribers, that is $19.99. Guys, please go subscribe again, hhhracingpodcast.com. But without further ado, guys, like I said, we're just gonna get right into it here. We're gonna go over a few bets that we hit last weekend, just go over a little bit of success to kind of get you guys ready for this weekend at Saratoga. But without further ado, gonna bring on my co-host right now from the East Coast, New Jersey, Patrick Kunsel. And from Chicago, chilling in the bed, Charlie Freeman. Boys, what's going on? Nothing much. How are we doing? Charlie? Oh, yeah. Well, I was just waiting to see if Patrick had anything more to say to try to avoid the subject. But, uh, yeah, we're doing good in the comfort <laughs> of the only place quiet enough because, you know, I'm doing all I can to make sure there's no background noise. So going to the depths of my own bed because it's the only place that's quiet this late in my house. No, uh, but, yeah, I'll take the shit. It's all good. That's going to be a great running joke for the for until you go back to school cuz hey, when you're cool, calm and collected, there's no better place to to start gambling, but um Charlie you know, so, Patch, somebody pointed it out in the chat that he was in bed and I never realized it until somebody did. So it's funny <laughs> that I, I thought it was pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. Hey, nothing gives it away, Charlie, except the pillow in your back. I mean, that's literally what it is that gives it away, but um last that's weekend, great. guys, we had a very nice weekend. Me and you, Patrick, on Saratoga today, we gave out three winners out of five races, totaling, I believe, every horse was above five to two that we gave out. So, again, just rapid fire. But um, last weekend, if you were following Benton and Boozin for Del Mar, I gave out a winning double. It was 5-7 with one in the last race. Once I can finally pull it up, there we go. One... Five seven with one. This was um, the number five, Sir Atticus, that ended up winning. None um, of my not my top pick, which was the seven horse, didn't run a lick and also got a pretty bad trip. And the twist just absolutely blew the doors off them in the last. So if you played my doubles, that was a 12, 27 20 for two dollars on the double for my best bet last weekend. So congratulations to anyone who cashed last weekend and like i said if you want if you don't watch the saratoga today shows we cover every single weekend card in a live show on this podcast or on this podcast channel excuse me hhh racing podcast on youtube we cover every single weekend uh weekend card for saratoga so everyone again smash that subscribe button so you don't miss these shows and one more shout out before we get into the lake lake pick five and get into the chat um Carlin's Way Racing as a horse running tomorrow at Saratoga. It is in race number 10 on Thursday. It is a 149.5 allowance race, N1X, that um, he ends up qualifying for. It is the number two Richie in the 10th race. Morning line 12 to 1, but his numbers realistically are competitive with other horses in this race. And granted, it was state-bred optional claiming, but last time he had Louie on him, he ended up going straight to the lead, never looking back and winning by one and a quarter. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the boys back home. Crownsway Racing, good luck tomorrow with Richie, as we did get a winner today at Belterra Park with Jonesway, who after going 0 for 21, she seems to finally found her winning foot. But good luck to the boys with uh, Tony Rallo and all the other guys out there at Crownsway Racing with Richie tomorrow. But 
Going right to the chat real quick, guys, and we'll get right into this late pick five at Saratoga. Christine Race is here. Of course she is. Thanks so much, Christine, for joining the show. Greatly appreciate it. Richard Avalar is here. Good evening, gentlemen. Happy hump day. Absolutely. And you have a horse for Del Mar this weekend. Hey, if it's Saturday, you feel free to say it here. Oh, he did. Horse is Enderly owned by Little Fred Feather Racing, friends of Howard and the podcast. So uh, good luck with Enderly. Because is that uh, what day is that? Is that Saturday? Um, Richard, if that's Saturday, be sure to tell Howard that because they said they're running the Del Mar show tomorrow. Simon O'Neill, thanks so much for joining the show, my friend. Michael Lawson is here. Thanks so much for joining the show. And like I said, um, there's a lot of other people watching right now, but haven't commented in the chat, guys. We're going to go to the chat a lot today. It's going to be a big discussion, hopefully. So every every um, <laughs> I see Jim and the Jim's already starting with the Charlie and the bed jokes. I love it. I love every second about it. But um, guys, if you have already looked at the PPs for Wednesday, they've been out since yesterday, I believe. Um, be sure to comment your picks in the chat and who you think is going to win as we bring up every single comment that goes in. I would say 99% of comments that go into the chat for uh, whether it's your your picks or you're trying to start a discussion or anything, please comment in the live chat. We would love to have you on the screen. But guys, like I said, without further ado, we're going to get right into it today. And uh, stupid me, realistically speaking, um, I started race six because I can't count. I can't count the five, apparently. So I ended up doing race six, which is where I actually had a very good opinion in the race. So I'm going to start there real quick. It's going to take me two minutes and then we'll move on to the actual late pick five. But since I did the work, I'm going to talk about it, basically. So race number six is the main special weight, $136,000, going a mile and three-eighths on the turf. I mean, you don't really see this any other place by Saratoga. But I'm going to go over my top pick, which is the number one swore. The number one swore last time at Belmont in a mile and a quarter, early July, with Flavian up, gets got a pretty decent trip. But I wanted to show this gallop out real quick. Like I said, this is a mile and a quarter. They're going just a little bit farther in a mile and three-eighths. And Swore is going to be in the middle in between horses. You'll see he's the number eight right here. Breaks to the middle. Doesn't necessarily get a bad trip by any means. Um, but I'm going to go to the top of the stretch right here. And you'll see him. He's dropped a little bit farther back out here. You're going to see he's going to start to get going at about uh, just before the eighth pole. You see he cuts inside here. Truly quality. Just had the easiest trip of them all. Not really. Not No one ever looked like a winner but him. But. You'll see the numbers eight swore is finally starting to get his run at about the eighth pole. They passed the 16th pole. He's still coming, still coming. But again, you're never going to catch truly quality. He actually ends up just getting third by about a neck. But this gallop out is what I want to highlight here. The freaking they pan on the finish line for about 50 seconds, it seems like. But you'll see the number eight swore is going to gallop out way past these other two horses. So, and these are really nice, you know, allowance company horses. So I'm very interested in the number one on in race six on Friday, the number one swore at morning line of four to one for Gaff Leone and motion guys. Like I said, since I can't count, I wanted to go over that race real quick, but race number seven is what starts the late pick five on Friday. It is. Uh, an allowance, 95000 going five and a half furlongs on the turf. We all know, guys, if, if we're covering a sequence, it, of course, has to start with a five and a half furlong turf sprint on the melon course. But a full field of 11 with two MTOs. The, the weather looks pretty good out in Saratoga. 
the turf is finally firming up. Um, they made a comment about the um, about the at, at, with the jumpers today that this, they ran like a grade three or something like that today for the jumpers, and it was three and a half seconds faster than the grade one that they ran last week. So the turf is finally firming up, and hopefully the weather stays dry so we can get fast and firm for Friday. But like I said, it's a full field of 11 with two MTOs. The morning line favorite is the number seven city mischief off the layoff for Irad and Mark Cassie. And I'm going to switch the banners right now into race seven. And two of you are going against the morning line favorite with the second choice disarmed for Joel Rosario and Rudy Rodriguez. Patrick, I'm going to have you go first as your first on the chopping block on the screen. You like disarmed to beat the morning line favorite. Yeah, I do. You know, I, I just think disarmed with the turf speed that it's shown um, in its last two races, uh, I think could be dangerous in this spot because I don't think it's evident um, who else will go as speed that has pure turf speed, to be honest. So I, I think disarmed could get loose with Joel. Um, and I think the five and a half furlong suits this horse even better, you know, going a little bit shorter than the previous seven and then six. I think the five and a half should fit perfectly and you know faced my sea cottage last time who came back and won um recently at saratoga so i i think this horse is a uh you know at three to one with a favorite that is coming off a long layoff i'm gonna take my shot with uh joel rosario and rudy rodriguez yeah and um i i, w- I won't say what i was gonna say i, I won't let uh, the intrusive thoughts win but um i'm gonna put them to the side this horse has really showed up on turf charlie i'll let you touch on uh, touch on him in a second, but disarm these last two races have been miles ahead of what he's ran before. And it's been in pretty good, you know, allowance companies, Charlie. Yeah. It seems like he's really started to turn around the form. Not that the form, you know, was necessarily awful, you know, it wasn't like, Oh God, this horse might need a layoff, but certainly wasn't anything eye catching or anything that, you know, screams to bet this horse. And, you know, if you look at the prices, on the right side, you can kind of see that the public felt that way too. But you can tell, obviously, running last time out in a very decent allowance race, and you see jumping from 16 to 1 to about 6 to 7 to 1 next race shows the public believed in the horse taking a step forward. And I believe that the horse will take another step forward, as you got, as uh, Patrick kind of touched on my main points, and that this horse beat my C Cottage, who I actually was like, who I actually had a bet on on that day, uh, and I and was obviously came back to be a very impressive horse. Uh, and I'm guessing I know what your intrusive thoughts are. I'm not afraid to share them. Maybe I'm wrong, but the fact that this horse was able to get to the lead with Joel Rosario, who's not the aggressive type and usually tries to pull the horse away to make sure they don't win, uh, shows that this horse certainly has enough early natural speed that it doesn't really matter who the rider is. Uh, But on a more serious note, you know, obviously Joel has done well with this horse. He's seen the two races where the horse woke up. It was with Joel aboard. So I'm actually kind of happy that Joel's on, at least with this horse, because he seems to have figured out how to ride disarmed. Uh, And I think disarmed, as Patrick mentioned, not only just looks the best and is tough, but again, we're talking about a two-to-one favorite who's coming off quite a big layoff, so we don't know where this horse will be. Yeah, and like I said, he does have a lot of natural early speed, but there's also a lot of other natural early speed in this race, it seems like. But obviously with a five-and-a-half furlong turf sprint, you're going to get that. Charlie, you have my top pick in second, which is the morning line favorite. Patrick has this horse nowhere, which I guess I also see realistic. This is one of those horses that I feel like is either going to come back at five and win for fun or come back at five and, and shit the bed and needs one more. I mean, the, the 85 buyer figure realistically is above the rest of this field. And if he can run back to that 85 buyer at Gulfstream, I think he has a very good shot. I like that. He's drawn towards the outside while not fully on the outside. 
Um, I also think this, I also think city mischief is a little bit tactical where he doesn't necessarily need the lead, but he does his best running on the lead. So I would like for Irad to be aggressive, which I'm sure he will, um, as Irad always is. But if he takes back a little bit and he's willing to sit back behind the early speed, I almost, I honestly almost like it more just based on like that win at fairgrounds with Declan Carroll up. I mean, um, that's exactly what I would love to see. Maybe not so far back, but I would love to see City Mischief sit in behind um, off the layoff, hopefully rate a little bit and go by the speed at the top of the stretch. Like I said, I just like that this horse is versatile, gets Irad, gets Cassie. I would not take this horse at anything. Honestly, at a win bet, I probably wouldn't take this horse at anything below three to one. So maybe a win bet wouldn't be on the cards for a horse off the layoff like this. But to be able to you know pair in doubles and stuff like that, I think City Mischief is extremely interesting on top. But Charlie, you have this horse in second, um, and I'll let you finish up with the three, and then Patrick will let you finish up with your top three. Um, Charlie, anything else you want to hit on with the number seven, City Mischief? Yeah, I think you touched on. I mean, from a form perspective, if City Mischief returns uh, to the form that we saw before the big layoff, obviously this horse is very live and can and should win, arguably. Uh, but for me, I'm a little concerned if the horse potentially needs one. As you mentioned, maybe I played this horse in a, like an exact a box with the five because for me, this th- that's why I'm kind of surprised and happy that Patrick also believes in the three. I went for a long shot in third because I think this really is a two-horse race. For me, I think Disarmed is on the improvement out of all the horses with recent form looks much the best. So it really comes down to the city mischief, you know, return to that form and dominate like you mentioned, or does the horse maybe need a race? Or maybe does the horse run solid but Disarmed continues to take steps forward and proves too tough to beat for me again also because of the connections i think it is kind of interesting that mark cassie got the horse back uh because you can see you know used to be trained by mark cassie then brought the back horse back so clearly he believes in the horse i think Sydney mischief could run huge but personally i'd rather take the value on disarm uh, and then going into the three and i'll let patrick touch on the three as well i was honestly again i was just looking for some value i think this i think brendan's war has run two decent races off the pretty long layoff and could take another step forward has worked decently as well. Obviously I'm a big fan going all the way back to the Derby of Javier Castellano. And I love the value. I'm not saying the horse is some eye catching figures, but I think in this field, this horse is not a 20 to one horse. I certainly think this is one for me that I would be playing in the exactors or trifectas. Definitely one where, you know, if you have a strong feeling on the five or seven to win and you want to make some more money, why not stick a horse like the three underneath? I'm, I'll let Patrick touch on a little more. I'm guessing that was also kind of the angle he saw. Yeah, exactly right. And I, I just think in a five and a half furlong turf sprint, uh, you know, stuff can happen. And um, Javier Castellano is very well known to be great in these turf sprints. And a horse that's 21, uh, 20 to one morning line uh, that a horse has, you know, I, I've I thought has improved uh, somewhat um, and beat a couple horses uh, last out who have who have actually come back and won uh, races, not as, you know, high profile as this race. I'm not saying this race is a high profile, but just not as, you know, big as this race. Um, Brennan's war, I think at 20 to one is a uh, decent bet to hit, to uh, hit the board. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot of horses in this race. I think what's scaring people is the one for 15, obviously finally got the win last time out in a state bred claimer now jumps up to allowance company. But if you know, the speed's breaking down or this horse just ends up getting a good trip from the inside, if he improves, uh, if Brennan's war improves, he definitely could be in there. But based on figures alone, he would need to improve. But Patrick, go ahead, wrap up with the number 10, Feathers Road, who Matthew Chamura in the chat actually said the number 10 is a must-use 
right now throw anything throw out anything from that mm-hmm. barn at your own risk. I mean, Linda Rice is winning at 32% out of 31 starts. She's 10 for 31. Jose Ortiz picks up the mound. He's had it the last two times. Everywhere she places her horses, they run big. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unbelievable. And, I, th- yeah, I agree. You can't leave this horse off, in my opinion. Um, the horse has the figures that, you know, fit in this race. So uh, we'll see. But she's just been finding spots for horses. And I will guarantee you this horse will not be 8-1 to one morning line. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, look, he's not that far off. Like, Feathers Road, I mean, realistically, off of – Honors among men, but it was on dirt of an 87, 85 for City Mischief. I mean, he doesn't have to improve as much as some other horses in this spot. So the number eight Feathers Road, if he gets the trip, which would be that stalking style behind the speed, I like that he's drawn to the outside. So, again, and as you and Matthew Schmerer state, I mean, Linda Rice, throw out that barn at your own risk right now. If, you're, if I was playing a horizontal play, number 10 Feathers Road probably would be AUs for me. But my last my last top pick, and then we'll move on, is number six, Carissa for David Donk and John Velasquez. This is another one of those horses where definitely need to improve, but if the pace falls apart on the front end, I think Carissa is one of them to pick up the pieces. Um, he has been going longer, but has shown that he is viable going short at five and a half, like in the main special weight. His first time out, he was able to close into a hot pace and lost to a head too. Feathers Road. I'm just looking for more value in the spot underneath. And by Big Brown of all horses, we'd love to see it. Um, I think Crease is very interesting if the pace melts down. But I'm going seven five six. Patrick's going three five three ten, and Charlie's going five seven three. And I did want to shout out Paul because I do see Paul Halloran <laughs> in the chat giving out price play. shots. And yeah, both the both the grandpas are going at each other. It's um. It's fun to see when the both the guys are in the chat, but Howard and uh, Howard and Paul, thanks guys for joining the show. Greatly appreciate it. Not to mention that he says that Linda won three more races today. So she's, she's winning it over a little controversial in the last, but we'll, uh... well, yeah, we, I went over that too. And I didn't see now Howard's going to come back at me, but yeah, we went, I commented in the chat. Yeah. That's that last race. I wasn't going to touch on cause that's just, there's a lot of lot of different mixed opinions on that one. So I would uh, I'll leave it at that. But race number eight, guys, moving on here as we do have, like I said, a guest that's coming on later. It's a claim, it's a fifty thousand dollar claimer going seven furlongs on the dirt, draws a field of nine. And as I switch to the equibase right now, the morning line favorite is all the way to the outside, I believe. Correct? Yes. The number nine prove right. For Louis Saez and John Chapman, a uh, name you don't see very much. And two of us are going with the number nine morning line favorite. Ka- me and Patrick are going with the number nine. Charlie, on the other hand, is going with a longer shot in the field. The number two, Midnight Trouble for Tally Gaffleone and Peter Walder. Charlie, my friend, you up first. What do you like most about Midnight Trouble? So I'm proud to say that I easily crushed and beat the chalk eating weasel allegations just now. I'm a little disappointed that you had the two in One. second. I thought I was going to be a little more creative with it. Uh, but yeah, for me, out of our out of the sequence we're covering today, this is the race where I feel like if you want to look for a price, not to just like finish in the money, but to win, I think this is the one to look at. I think the favorites are decent, but they haven't really proven anything. The reason why I love Midnight Trouble 
Uh, is the horse has a lot of early speed, but also, again, as we talk about with being tactical and versatile, the horse has shown some ability to be able to sit like just off the pace as well. But I, uh, the horse has been working very sharply lately with a 48 and 1, 47 and 3, 48 and 4 for the recent July workouts. I uh, see, obviously, the horse was on a big layoff and ran in some tough stuff, ran in a $100,000 <laughs> stakes race, ran in a grade two. Um, and then, you know, after that long layoff, comes back on June. Uh, fourth and you know ended up falling apart you know weekend uh, was towards the front early on uh, but really what I'm just kind of banking on and hoping for with this horse is again in a race where there is no clear-cut convincing horse to me why not take a chance on one that's second back off the layoff uh, for a decent trainer obviously you know I also have my bias towards Tyler the horse again looks like it's working forwardly and I just thought again this was a good spot for maybe midnight trouble to uh, pull up a solid win at a decent price yeah, and then like you said, second off the layoff coming out of, I mean, the re- they had high hopes for this horse, right? I mean, racing in listed stakes at Delaware, then moves over to Aqueduct to run in the Remsen. I mean, like, that's first off the trainer switch for Peter Walder. So there, Peter had very high hopes for this horse, didn't pan out, goes back to optional claiming company, runs seven behind. So hopefully coming down to the claiming level, I think Midnight Trouble could definitely be interesting. And obviously, I have him second. Uh, at eight to one morning line. And I do agree with you, Charlie, that he is interesting. Patrick, I'll let you go through your top three here and then I'll let Charlie touch on his top three. Uh, the number nine, Prove Right, is the morning line favorite. Just very unconvincing efforts, but the Bay Shore, the Chick Lang, and the Dwyer, I mean, losing the horses just all over the place. I mean, Gilmore, Joey Freshwater, who were in the Amsterdam later in the featured race on this card. I mean, Rivet. It was also in the Amsterdam, Prince of Jericho, Fort Bragg, Saudi Crown. I mean, just horse after horse after horse. Yes, there you go. Uh, Patrick, I see Howard's in the chat giving you try to give you G-Men love, even though I will never get you there. But the number nine proved right for James Chapman and Louis Sias. Yeah, you know, you find it interesting because, you, like you said, you rattled off those uh, – great at stakes that proof right ran in and you really can't find any excuses. Um, I mean, I mean, the horse was uh, 58 to one in the Dwyer uh, 45 to one in the, uh, the race in Pimlico. So it's just, you know, you try and figure out, but this drop down to me just seems like, you know, Chapman's trying to find a win at Saratoga. And that's what a lot of trainers do. You know, you drop down a tremendous amount to uh, get a win. Uh, so I just think in this field, uh, Luis Saez, who's a great rider on the lead, uh, prove right sh- should sit the right trip and uh, be tough to beat. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think he's easily the most deserving favorite. You know, whether I mean he, whether he's been running in the Chick Lang and the Dwyer. I mean, James Chapman's always had high hopes for this horse. Excuse me, he ran in the Withers, he ran in the Remsen, the Nashua last year. I mean, he's always been trying to get him that big win, but never really could. So I think dropping him down to where he belongs and where he can definitely get a win. I love that he draws the outside in this spot. I think he's much better on the lead, but doesn't necessarily need to be only on the lead. I think he can press from the outside, which is why I like drawing the nine hole in this spot. Luis Saez being the perfect rider, in my opinion, for this horse. He'll be aggressive out of the gate, get out to the outside, and hopefully have enough coming down the lane to draw off. Um, I agree with you, Patrick, and the number nine prove right. But I'll let you finish up here. The number eight joking way again, Linda Rice claim for herself last time out off of Asmussen at Ellis Park. Um, you know, like I said, that it should have to improve a little bit, but the numbers do fit. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm going to tell you that I, I think this horse does improve off the second start for Linda. And I mean, I think that's crazy because coming from Steve Asmussen, Winchell, Thoroughbreds, that's, you know, you wouldn't think you'd be saying that. But at this rate, I mean, I think you have to say it. Um, and I, I just think this horse faced uh, Goodhart last out who came back and won a starter allowance race, which would be above this race. Uh, so I think uh, Joking Way is got a decent shot, but does have to improve. And, uh, you know, it's second off a long layoff. Yeah, but that's the um second off a decent layoff for off the um off the claim for Linda Rice. Horse ran a bullet last time at uh, last workout at Belmont. Um ran really well at Oaklawn, but the 76s, I don't know if it's enough to beat this field right now, but coming to the Linda Rice barn, the horse definitely has the chance to improve and will sit that stalking trip that everyone desires. So hopefully joking way can get up into the spot where he needs to go but patrick finish it off you have the number four warrior richard who none of us have in our top three for robbie falcone jr and uh ricardo santana yeah you know i was trying to find somebody underneath in third and i, I just uh robbie falcone has a good stat you know coming from uh going from a route to sprint he's hitting at 22 percent, and i just felt like um with ricardo on board he seemed you know he's aggressive and you know Sometimes he makes moves that you question, but a lot of the times he puts horses in good spots that you wouldn't think would be put in that spot. And uh, I just think Warrior uh, Richard might be a good shot underneath. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he'll set that stalking trip behind a pretty decent amount of speed in this spot. Just looking back at those two races at Aqueduct where he broke his mane and then came out in claiming company to win next time out, being just two lengths, a length and a half off of off of it so warrior richard is definitely interesting if ricardo santana can work out a trip charlie going to you next you have the seven and the the nine that we talked about but mainly the seven i want you to talk about off the claim for maker picks up irad street swag at five to one morning line yeah all i really have because you guys already touched on it with the nine is i do think the nine's interested in tough in this spot the real concern i just have though is the horse's figures for a horse that's been running as often as it has aren't that impressive for me. They just don't really do it. I know they're the best in the field, but I just feel like if a horse is being in these kind of races and running this often, I would really like to see that significant improvement. And I'm a little worried that the horse could maybe continue to run in like the high 70s, low 80s, but maybe that's kind of it for this horse. Whereas again, that's why I looked for more upside with the two who, you know, ran a 73 and second time out could easily take a big jump forward. Uh, but then, yeah, I was a little surprised that neither of you had the seven anyway, just because when you see the connections of Irad Ortiz with Michael Maker and you see who this horse has been ridden by, John Velasquez, Tyler Gaffleone, Jareth Loveberry, some of the best jockeys in the world. So obviously this is a horse that most of the top jockeys, wherever the horse runs, want to get on so for me that was really my angle with this horse was look the figures aren't too bad maybe the horse takes a step forward uh, i like michael maker a lot as a trainer again if it's a horse that top jockeys are continuously trying to ride clearly they see something in street swag for potential wise and i don't think you'll get five to one in this field but i do like those odds as well uh, and again like i said with my top two picks going with an eight to one and five to one i just feel like if the favorite really hasn't done anything to prove that it deserves to you know, be a clear cut convincing winner. Why not look for some other prices that you could work around? And, you know, if it does end up being two, seven or seven, two, or either of them finished with a nine, that could be a very solid return. Yeah. I mean, you're not hundred percent wrong. I will. The one pushback I will have is just to me um, for a trainer, like Brendan Walsh, who's a very good trainer. Um, it just seems slow. Like street swag has, has had that opportunity in both claiming company and allowance company to show, what he's made of. He won the starter allowance to Keeneland going longer at Ellis park might be the downfall shorting back up here. 
Um, but my, Maker claims him for 75 in June at Ellis. Then you haven't seen the horse for a month and a half. Now he drops him for 50, which is 25,000 less than what they bought him for. And he, he's going to need to improve and the horse is going to take money. That for me, that's just enough to stay away. He's definitely a candidate to win. But for me, if this horse is going to take money and needs to improve off of a claim where they're posting less for what they just bought him for last race, that's a few red, few too many red flags for me. Like I said, a horse that's going to be low odds. But Charlie, I completely see your thinking. Um, and like for the number nine, I just think the drop, the big massive drop in company that he's going to face, I think, is what's going to help him the most. I'm going nine two eight. Patrick's going nine eight four. Charlie's going two seven nine. Guys, switching up to the ninth race. It is a fifty thousand dollar claiming non-winners of two, a lifetime going a mile on the inner turf course a full field of 10 with three mtos on the outside the morning line favorite is the outside horse the number 10 ski patrol for irad ortiz and jonathan thomas and guys i'll tell you what this is the one race where we all agree all agree in the top two horses some of us in all of the top three as i switch over the picks right now patrick and i are completely the same with 10, 8, 3. Charlie has the same top two going 10, 8, 6. Um, there's your chalk-eating weasel, by the way. 1, 2, 3. But anyway, Charlie, uh, Patrick, you are going first as Charlie went first last race. The number 10 ski patrol in this spot, just he looks very, very good. Yeah, he does. And, you know, this is interesting because I think I'm pretty sure it's Jonathan Thomas's first start, actually, of the meet, uh, which is, you know, which is interesting to me. Um, and he's been on fire to start the season uh this horse's figures just you know kind of sit above the rest in this spot and i love that irad comes on board <clears> because you know up at saratoga when irad gets on board it's you know you know the horse means something um and you know the horse's previous races you know were had excuses in two of them uh i, I thought but uh in this spot this horse should be able to pick out a trip and should be uh should be very tough to beat in my opinion I just think this horse has run really well the last two. Charlie, I'll let you touch on as well, and I'll let you go on to the eight, Charlie. But um, the number 10 just has been doing a lot in the, in the starter allowance company at Gulfstream. Goes over in Indy, an N1X company. Gets to the lead, but doesn't end up winning the race at a pretty solid favorite. I think the drop to claiming company is what this horse needs to be able to get that win. I think Jonathan Thomas drops him and prices this horse in this spot was looking for this spot obviously has been off since may um i just think like i said with the drop to claim academy i think it's what ski patrol needs to win yeah i I think ski patrol is extremely tough in this spot this is out of our sequence that we're covering one of the top horses that i'm most confident for sure which we'll touch on more later um, again, I just think the figures for this horse tower over this field. I feel like Irad is going to get this horse right. And quite frankly, I just don't think the horse got the right trip last time out. I think in a race where there's a hot pace to try to have a horse that, at least in my eyes, you can see in the past, in the two strongest figure races, tends to prefer to sit off the pace by, you know, two, three lengths and then make a move. I think the move was made too early, especially in a pace, again, that was going as fast as it was. I think maybe the rider just got overconfident and thought, look, I have a horse that's less than even money and just decided to go for it early. And again, I think that hot pace to try to do that with caught up to the horse. But I think Irad will run the perfect trip with this horse. I think the horse can sit 
just off the lead, like I'm hoping it will, and then we'll blow by this field. I think the 10 – I don't want to say it will win easy because there's some other decent horses, but I think the 10 – I don't really think the 10 has any excuse not to win in this spot. Yeah, I mean, if it's not this time, this is, you know, divorce filing territory for me. Yeah. Like, I just, just for me, the drop – I just keep going back. I went through this field multiple times. I just keep going back to the drop, and hopefully – I know it's Saratoga – from Indy, but I hope the drop to claiming company is what Ski Patrol needs. Number eight, Charlie, is Harry Hood for Chad Brown. Gaff Leone has been uh, last race at Ellis, won convincingly um, in a main special weight out there. Um, by has Galileo breeding. We'll need to improve a little bit on the speed figure numbers, but very, very interesting for Chad. Yeah, I mean, look, when I see the connections of Chad Brown and Tyler Gaffleon, that catches my eye. The horse has obviously worked out well. Uh, and, yeah, I know the figures aren't anything crazy, but this horse has shown, at least showed last time out, the ability to get to the lead. And while obviously the horse didn't win going away, you obviously know in these longer-distant races, I tend to not like speed horses, but I do when they show the ability to hold up. And, again, I know it was a maiden race, but the horse did show the ability to hold up. I certainly think the horse can take another step forward. Tyler Gaffleon has experience with Harry Hood as well. I mean, real quick, one other thing about the 10, what you were talking about, where it's like it feels like the horse has to win now. That kind of tied into what we covered at Saratoga with Bourbon Chase, or what I covered at Saratoga with Bourbon Chase, uh, where I was kind of talking about how that was like the spot where the, when I was with Howard, where I was saying the horse absolutely had to win. And then I ended up winning comfortably on the dirt. So I kind of think it's the same thing with ski, ski Patrol. I think, obviously, there is the risk where when a horse keeps getting put in a spot where you're like, the horse has to get the job done here, and then doesn't, then you give up. But I feel like this is kind of that spot for that horse. Uh, but yeah, I think there still is the threat of other horses taking a step forward, which I think we all three agree with the eight. Uh, with Again, with those connections, if the horse takes another step forward, certainly could be a threat to win. Um, and then moving on to the six, uh, and then I'll, I'll let you two obviously touch on the three. I was debating, honestly, between putting the six or three on top. I guess my worry with the three was, uh, you know, there's other horses that could obviously not give it too much trouble, but I just feel like the horse might run out of gas. Uh, so, yeah, my angle with gamers, I just – I like Brendan Walsh as a trainer. As you touched on a great trainer. Love Luis Saez. He's been running really well lately. The works, again, say yes for this horse. And I just like the versatility. The horse shows, obviously, you can see with the time form, good early and late figures. So, this horse can really kind of be put anywhere and still run a decent trip and be in with a shot. Uh, so, that was kind of my angle with the six gamer. Yeah, I mean, this is for Brendan Walsh, obviously, who had a very, very nice start to the year and a pretty decent start to this early Saratoga meet in a very small sample size. This horse has just been um, trust uh, tested on this turf, although very hard spots. Hasn't really been able to get the job done. Drops into 50 claiming for uh, for Luis Saez getting the mount. I think this horse can definitely be interesting off the drop, working well at, on the uh, Oklahoma track. But this horse is going to be one of those taking money that I would rather have the other horses that are lower and try to find someone else underneath, who Patrick and I did with the number three, Fredo, for Antonio Sano and Jose Alascano, second up on his trip up to New York. Yeah. Um, this horse, uh, somebody said it in the chat uh, with Lascano on the inner turf, he, he does really prove to be very well and rides very well on the turf, especially the inner turf up at Saratoga. And uh, this horse does look to be the speed of the speed, uh, which I do not hate, especially on the inner turf, because, you know, people like to take back on that uh, inner turf. Um, you know, Sano doesn't bring too many horses in. When he does, he means well. So I, I think this horse has a uh, has a decent shot at eight to one. And in a race that you know is kind of just a mixed bag of you know if the ten doesn't show up, 
who knows what could happen. Well, absolutely. I mean, this is the horse that's going to catch people sleeping, whether he is on the front end or he gets first run. Um, the 82 figures at Goldstream are extremely competitive in this field. Sano brings him up to Belmont last time in a very tough allowance race and puts him short for the first time since December. Doesn't really run too well, but brings him back out to a mile here. I think it suits him best. Puts uh, Takes him out of the top company and puts him into $50,000 claiming where this horse can really shine. I do like Fredo a lot. Or Fredo, Alfredo, whatever. Fredo, Fredo, tomato, tomato, whatever you want to say. Um, but I think he's very interesting, at least underneath, if not on top, for at eight to one. But Jim. <laughs> and then Paul Haller coming in. Sano two for 24 at Saratoga in the last five years. Um, th- thank you, Paul, for Paul's bringing Paul's doing his homework, man. Paul's bringing the stats um, in this field. They said there's a lot of different horses dropping. There's many different ways that you can go in this spot. But I went 10-8-3. Patrick also went 10-8-3. Charlie went 10-8-6. Guys, we're going to try and speed it up here a little bit. Uh, the next race is the Amsterdam. It is a field of six for the, like I said, for the Graham 2 Amsterdam stakes. And as I switch over right now, it is going six and a half furlongs on the Saratoga dirt course. The morning lane favorite is the number one. Drew's Gold, who ran an absolute bang-up race last time in the Woody Stevens uh, for uh, John Chapman, again, who has two very solid runners, I think, on this Friday card at 9-5. to five. Gilmore is the second choice in the four-hole for Irad and Brenda Walsh at 5-2, to two, and Rivet for Ricardo Santana and Asmussen. As I switch over the picks right now, Charlie and I are both going with Drew's Gold on the inside, but Patrick, my friend, Patrick with the big opinion, ladies and gentlemen. The number six New York Thunder on the outside for Jorge Delgado, Tyler Gaffleon. Patrick, your the floor is yours, my friend. Why do you like the number six? Because of the always... name. <laughs> oh, it's got no, New York in it. There's the New no, York. Oh, come on. Well, he's in New York running, so hey, it couldn't be a bad thing. Uh Listen, Delgado, you know, has been picky where he places this horse, and you know, I think that's honestly for a good reason. Um, you know, they talked about how um, he drew the rail in the Woody Stevens. Um, and, you know, I guess Delgado didn't really like that. Um, and the last race, you know, listen, the competition was nowhere near what this race is going to be. But the fractions that the horse posted and the way he was just going so fluidly throughout watching that replay uh, leads me to believe this horse, you know, has has more in it and has been sitting on a race. Um, honestly, it's the first time on a dirt track, which, you know, could be an issue, but I personally, I don't see it as that. Uh, I just think that this is one of those horses that's going to show up on Friday and, you know, surprise a lot of people. Um, then again, you know, I could look at it the other way and just say Drew's gold is, you know, got more speed. And it's just a better horse, but I think New York thunder is developing into something pretty good. I mean, if that 97 is any indication, only three races, um, you know, he's working extremely well in the dirt. I think if he continues to improve, New York Thunder is definitely a possibility on the top end. But, Charlie, you and I have Drew's gold on top. And um, as the very astute gentleman on the Thursday show are pointing out, he's going to get a very different trip in this race. He was on all the way on the outside. I'm going to show the replay of the Woody Stevens. I'll let you talk through it. He drew the 13 in that race, and he was able to get up to the outside of Arabian Lion just not enough, but was still able to run a very good race with a 106. 
um, Drew's gold. Like I said, I'm going to start the race right now. Feel free to talk through it or talk about uh, Drew's gold. Charlie. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I was delayed for me for a second. Um, yeah. So for me with Drew's gold, again, it was just honestly coming off the layoff and then running um, a 98 and a 106 just after running 83s. It's just mind blowing to me to be able to take two steps that big. Uh, the horse is obviously working out tremendously. Jose Ortiz, glad he's okay. Uh, after the scary fall, has has been riding tremendously. Um, I, I like the – no disrespect to the past jockey, but I like, the, in my eyes, a jockey upgrade. Um, and again, I just feel like if, if the horse runs anywhere near uh, what Drew's Gold has been showing the ability to run, I don't see why uh, Drew's Gold – I mean, I know obviously what the odds is, is expected to win, but I don't see why the horse shouldn't win. And I do want to touch on, though, at some point, once we get to the underneath picks – uh, one of our guests slash kind of co-hosts says potential co-host future for uh, California racing, at least Noah, said that Deer District is his play of the day. Which uh, so hey, I love I love that because um, and you'll see Drew's gold finishing up here. Gilmore's the 12 horse coming on the outside does not get there in time, but a very nice race from Drew's gold in the Woody Stevens earning a 106 buyer. Um, Deer District was a horse that I had in second the entire time off this last race, but other than that last race where he got a pretty, where he had a very good trip. I mean, then that number is nowhere to be found. If he can, I mean, if he improves again, I mean, this horse, I mean, he's by uh, uh, Oscar performance out of a Fuciachi Pegasus mare, something you don't see too much uh, every day. But if he continues to improve off that last effort, he's extremely interesting. And obviously Charlie is your last horse uh, before we get to Gilmore, but feel free to talk about Deirdre stick, then go on to Gilmore. Yeah, so no, that was that was my angle with Deer District was just why not put the horse somewhere underneath and not go full chalk with one, with uh, you know the top thirty favorites and really just the angle of again, you, we've talked about this show how much we enjoy seeing a horse that takes a big jump forward and to go from you know a, a casual eighty three eighty four which isn't anything bad to an eye popping ninety seven and winning dominantly after sitting off the pace by four lengths to win by nine lengths uh, certainly another step forward like that. Uh, is enough for Deer District uh, to at least be competitive in this spot. Um, again, I just think because of the lack of experience against strong competition, I mean, did run a respectable second in the Bourbon for a grade two race, but that was my only knock on the horse was the lack of competitive races in recent form. Uh, but certainly I don't see if you, if you do have a strong opinion on one of the heavier favorites, why not throw this horse underneath? Uh, you're muted, Kyle. Strike one. Strike one. Hey, it would take us 47 minutes. Yep, I, I know. Take it. I'll take it too. Trust me. Um, Matthew Trimmer says, be careful with Deer District. This was during a period where Daryl Romans was on fire at Churchill, which I don't disagree with by any means. There was a period towards the end of that meet where he was just absolutely on fire. That 97, like I said, just jumps off the page because realistically it's nowhere else. But since he came back to the dirt, Deer District has been on fire. So underneath, I could easily see Deer District coming in but number four Gilmore for you excuse me for you Charlie um with Brendan Walsh Irad Ortiz was third in the Woody Stevens as we pointed out was closing but on the Pat Day mile on the base where this horse has been facing very very good company yeah I got another one that's run really strong and obviously as you showed on the replay which I was going to talk about as well I uh, did a really nice job closing up to Drew's goal the only reason I didn't have the horse on top is we are cutting back in distance, which I think, if anything, would favor Drew's gold more than Gilmore. I think Gilmore kind of seven furlongs is right where the horse needs to be. Now, I don't think six and a half is anything where you have to panic. I think Irad will know that about the horse. Uh, obviously, he has a lot of experience riding and will try to make sure probably that Gilmore stays close enough so that the horse doesn't have too much ground to make up. 
knowing that if Drew's Gold is able to kind of sit that perfect trip and get the first chance to get away, that Gilmore won't get there in time. So I'm guessing he'll be a little bit closer up. Uh, but that was kind of my angle. But I think that's kind of the thing you have to flip for. That's because those were the only two for me that I think comes down to the win is kind of, does Gilmore sit close enough to get the jump? Or does Drew's Gold get enough distance away that when it comes to the final stretch, Gilmore can't get there in time? Uh, so yeah. that's how I see the race. I mean, I, I agreed with you. I thought Gilmore likes, would like a little bit longer. Obviously, he, run at, he won at low sal going a mile. Del Mar, he had enough, but again, just a little bit short. Hasn't won since he ran at that mile. I mean, yeah, I know. But anyway, either way, Arrington legend, by the way. But I just think he needs a little bit longer. So, and I think he's going to take a lot of money in this spot. So that was my reason to go against Gilmore. The only other horse that we haven't talked about was the number five rivet for Asmussen and Ricardo Santana winning the Maxfield last time at Ellis Park on a sloppy track. I actually like the cutback and distance for this horse, although I do think that Rivet is good going longer. He has won five in a row going from uh, the optional claiming to the bachelor stakes at Oakland, then going to the Chick Lang at Pimlico, then the Maxfield at Ellis. Asperson's really picked his spots well with this horse. Now throws him into the grade two Amsterdam. I think Rivet's extremely interesting. I like the outside draw for Rivet the most. Hopefully he's going to sit off of um, Drew's gold. And it's go um, without other too much other speed in this race. I think the number five and the number one could be the Duke out of um, of this race on the top end. But um, Patrick, I'll kind of throw it to you, just kind of openly, real quick. Um, any other stuff you want to touch on before we move on? No, I th- I think we're good. Um, you know, I hit on New York Thunder. You know, it's going to be tough, but I, I think Taurus has a shot if it improves again. Uh, Gilmore. Gilmore could improve for Brendan Walsh. He's a good trainer that, you know, is good to improve and has done well at Saratoga so far. Uh, and, you know, Drew's Gold is the class. So we'll see. Uh, there should be a fun Amsterdam stake actually on Friday. That's going to be a good race. I agree. Literally, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit on um, under the radar with a six horse field. But this, I mean, again, very quality and very competitive in this field. I'm going one, five, four. Charlie's going six, one or Patrick's going six, one, four. Charlie's going one, four, three guys moving on to the last race. But first I want to give a shout out to Katie, Katie, long time. No see my friend. Thanks so much for joining the show again. Greatly appreciate it. Cheers to you. Hello to you. And thank you again for joining the show. Just want to give a quick shout out. Greatly appreciate it. And also that strike one to Uncle Howard as he gives, and that's his gives his first teacher joke of the night that Jeez. I showed on screen. <laughs> but um, and Paul Halloran, thanks again. She said Gilmore worked well with Pretty Mischievous or worked with Pretty Mischievous last week, who obviously is the Kentucky Oaks winner. So that's not bad company to be in at all. And Katie, we are going over Friday's card at Saratoga. Saturday's card will be live Saturday morning. Um, on the HHH Racing Podcast for Saratoga today. Thanks again for joining the show. Um, moving on again to the last race, we end with everybody's favorites. We're going mile, it is at least a mile and a 16th race this time, but main claiming 40,000, mile and 16th on the turf, draws a full field of 12 with two also eligibles. The morning line favorite is a lukewarm 7-2, to right? Yeah, lukewarm 7-2 to on the inside Timo for Manny Franco and Jonathan Thomas. And I switch over the picks right now. Not a single one of us is going with the morning line favorite. And only two. I don't even have the horse anywhere. Two people have the horse in third in Patrick and Charlie. But Charlie and I both have the number 10 on top variable cost. 
Patrick, you are the odd man out, my friend. I do. Actually, we all like this horse, actually. Fast Boat to Sky for John Velasquez and David Donk. Yeah, don't call me the odd man out. You got him in second now. It's uh, This is a hey, tough I'm race, fine, and I, I've been trying to stay away from David Donk. You know, I, I kind of gave him the uh, David Jacobson treatment where I'm not betting you. I don't care if you have a one-to-two shot until you can win up at Saratoga. And, but I, I think Donk has a uh, decent shot in this race. Um, you know, the drop in class um, could be a major threat. Um, hopefully Johnny V gets on board this horse, uh, you know, after today's incident, which was pretty scary. Um, the pace, you know, uh, I was looking through the pace here. It's interesting because, you know, fast boat sky, he's going to go fast boat sky. And, um, who's going to, who's going to catch the horse? I, you know, this could be one of those wire to wires. Um, I just think it's six to one trying to find an alternate to the favorite who, you know, I'll just hit on really quick. Um, my opinion on the favorite, you know, just that, that lay, the layoff scares me. And, uh, I don't know. Jonathan Thomas, you know, he's going to have his second start in this race. So he's trying to place his horses. Um, He does, you know, have decent stats when it comes decent. I I mean, very good stats when it comes to dropping from main special weight to main claiming. But uh, in this race, um, it's, you know, this is a wide open field. It, I mean, it definitely is obviously reflected by the seven to two morning line favoritism. I agree with you. I didn't like the layoff. And honestly, I didn't know if I really liked the horse's efforts. I think there's just, a lot of better, a lot better horses in this field to take a shot at, at much better odds. I mean, with the number two, I agree with you. Fast boat to sky. It looks like almost a not a pace advantage necessarily, but there's very few horses that want to go out for this lead. And last time, um, obviously when this horse has been left alone, uh, fast boat to sky has run really well. Although David Donk hasn't done too well to start the meet. So hopefully fast boat to sky can be his first winner on the day. But Charlie, you and I have the number 10 variable cost on top for Linda Rice and Jose Ortiz claimed for set claim for 40 tries. Uh, Linda tries her, uh, her shot with variable cost at 75,000 and claiming gets bet down and the horse gets like wrangled at the break and just doesn't necessarily fire too well out. I like that. Um, they're giving this horse the same type of ground going into this next race and hopefully can improve coming back to the 40,000 claiming. Yeah. I mean, again, I love the connections as we, as we have kind of touched on, she's been on fire and Jose Ortiz has been running really well too. I also like, I know it's not too much, but any, I feel like any added distance for variable cost is a benefit for this horse. Um, and again, for uh, what I kind of liked is the horse has very little experience and yet has still run two for this field standards, very solid figures. So I definitely think the horse has every right to step up. And really my angle just was, uh, you know, with the two horse kind of trying to go with two different two differing styles, uh, kind of as Patrick touched on, could get away, um, and also as decent form, uh, but also as a ton of experience to, uh, you know, not have a win yet. So no real excuses to get the job, not have gotten the job done, but it's a good price. And then my fear with the one, I mean, look, simply because of the figures, I feel like the horse could certainly hit the board in somewhere. So I had to keep the horse there. But really what worries me is, which makes sense with the figures. I mean, 41 early speed is frighteningly low. I mean, that that means the horse is basically breaking out of the gate and taking a morning stroll until we get to the turn. And then it's like, oh, wait, we're in a race. I think I should get on with it. And I think that's going to cause a lot of problems because going back to our top pick, the 10, that's another horse that wants to close but has more speed and will be a little bit closer. I know – 51 is nothing eye-catching, but at least it's enough where you can say the horse might have a chance to close. So I think it's going to kind of go one of two ways. I think either Patrick's two gets away and wins, or one of the closers is able to get up there in time. My angle was to 
why not put the closer and speed horses that I like the most in my top two and kind of hope one of them gets there. And just in case the one gets there, at least have it on my board. Yeah. And I mean, I agree with you. Uh, Richard Avalar, the number, the uh, Jonathan Thomas wins 50% on the drop. So out of the last 10 races in the past year, he's five for 10 on the drop with a 2.04 ROI. Paul Haller and I completely agree with you. Obviously, we all have the horse on uh, near the lead. Huge class drop with a jockey upgrade from going from uh, a bug jockey to John Velasquez. So um, I we do agree with you on the number two. Patrick, I'll let you um, I'll let you go through the rest of yours, and um, I'll finish up the stuff so we can get to our best bets real quick here. But Twirling Express, number six, Todd Pletcher, Luis Ayas. Yeah, I'll hit on the six. Uh, tough trip last time. Um, it has a major excuse out of that race. Um, and you know, Todd's numbers, uh, going from main special weight to main and claiming are, are, you know, Jonathan Thomas level, you know, 32%. Uh, <clears throat> he does very well with it. Um, and I look for this horse to get back to, um, you know, one of those 70 buyer speed figures, which should, uh, fit right in with this, uh, with this group. I agree. Just for me, the reason I didn't put in the number six was I was kind of thinking along the lines of. You know, if why is Todd throwing this horse down at Gulfstream in this in the summer yeah. if he believes that he can win at Saratoga? And I get the trying to run special weights, get that out of the way, but not have to drop him into claiming. But now it comes over to Saratoga, Cody drops Paul. claiming. <laughs> nope, and not putting that comment up on the screen, Howard. That's PTSD in a nutshell there. Um, <sighs> but the only other horse I have is the number seven, the other Pletcher, or I would argue the first Pletcher. Um, nostalgic one, not, not even close. The first two takes the big drop for Pletcher has been working decently over the Saratoga, uh, Oklahoma turf tours. I just think with the drop and second off the layoff for Todd at three years old, I think, um, it could definitely give the only, the only thing that scares me was this horse took no money at all. The first two starts, which for a Todd Pletcher, especially at Gulfstream in the winter is, is a little bit eye opening. Um, and but, with I read on, wow, I didn't even yeah, know that that's, now. I'm sure, I'm sure there had to, I'm pretty sure there's a pretty decent favorite in that race, but still 10 to one, I read and Pletcher is a little bit eye opening, but hopefully with the drop nostalgic one can get at least a little bit of a run underneath. I'm going 10 to seven, Patrick's going two, six, one, Charlie's going 10 to one guys as Jim Miller is in the bullpen. So as we all know, we got to go. Otherwise he's going to come after me. So. Charlie, your best bets on the weekend. Race number nine, a win on number 10, Ski Patrol, and the double 10-1. And your long shot bet is the race number eight, number two, Midnight Trouble. Yeah, so I'm trying to do a little Arlington-esque. What they used to do in their program, guys, is give like a little long shot Louie. Uh, so, you know, since I touched on the fact that I liked Midnight Trouble earlier at a price, again, in a race where it's wide open and the favorite hasn't done anything convincing, why not take a shot at an 8-1 to one horse with Tyler Gaffleyon riding? And then, yeah, as I talked on earlier, Ski Patrol is my most confident bet. I think the 10 should be awfully tough in that spot. Uh, and so, But to not just be boring and be a chalking and weasel and just take a regular win bet, I thought, why not do a double with the one who, again, we touched on. We'll obviously get the same trip, but, you know, the way I see that race kind of playing out, the one and five go out together on the lead. I think the five gasses out and the four or three close up to pass late. Uh, but I think that double should come home with the 10-1. So those are my best bets for today or that day. Like I said, I love it. And obviously, like you said, I'll never talk you off a pretty uh, good odds horse. So Charlie's best bets are those. Patrick's best bets are a race seven pick three, three five with eight nine with eight ten and a win, a race 10 win on the number six New York Thunder. Yeah. So, uh, 
you know, I'm going to start off with a pick three, uh, you know, stay away from those pick fives as much as I can, you know, still early on in Saratoga. I'll start hitting those pick fives sooner than later. Uh, but uh, yeah, a pick three, you know, I like my opinions uh, in the first three races. So I figured uh, why not? And there's a couple decent long shots within there. So I'll go uh, two by two by two with the pick three. And then my uh, win bet on New York Thunder, because I, uh, I think that horse is going to run big. So we'll, uh, we'll see. And you'll get the odds there. So um, I'll do, like I said, never talk you off of it. I love that you have a strong opinion in that 10th race, especially with a few um, pretty decent favorites. So good luck to you. I am going with two doubles as my best bets. As I talked about at the beginning of the show, the race that I looked at and wasn't supposed to, I went, um, I love the number one swore in that spot. I'm going one with five, seven, uh, race six, double one with five, seven. And then in the race nine, I'm going eight, 10 and then singling Drew's gold in the Amsterdam. So hopefully we can get one of those doubles home. Like I said, I like swore. My two best opinions are swore and Drew's gold on Friday. So hopefully one of the two can get home as our singles, but guys, thanks so much to everybody for joining for the Saratoga portion of this card. The chat was great today. And um, as, as always, the chat's great, but um, thank you all, but don't go anywhere as we are going to talk about the late pick four at Hawthorne, tomorrow with some very nice races and to help do that i need to bring in the big guns so it comes through again for the second week in a row to the fun show jim miller jim how you doing my friend that's right the fun show for sure so uh happy to join you guys i didn't even have time to grab a beer our last race went <laughs> about 45 minutes ago today because yep. we started later due to the heat so i literally ran in the door ran to the computer but uh happy to jump on with you guys tonight Hey, that's dedication. I love it, Jim. And um, yeah, I did see that because I was, I actually had, we had one race in, um, we had one race in the seventh today yep. or the fourth or something yep. like Medway that. Medway Queen. Yep. Yep. Uh, she ran about as well as I thought. Um, <laughs> that was a but, tough race. Yeah. And I was like, I thought the post time was like 345. And then next thing I know, it's like 602. And I'm like, what happened? But uh, yeah, the heat was, uh, as I moved up to Wisconsin, the heat was just as bad up here. So I completely get it. But uh, Patrick, Charlie, uh, you guys are welcome to stand, but I feel, uh, I'll take you off screen. Just let me know in the chat if you guys want to stay on. But good luck to you guys on Saratoga, and I'm sure we'll talk later in the week. Have a good one, yeah, guys. Thank you. Have hey, a good one. Later, guys. All right, Jim. But as they say, me and you together, and we're going to go through it. But there are some very nice races tomorrow at yeah. Hawthorne. I'm just going to let you kind of give you the floor a little bit to talk about, as obviously you're the one that creates the races. Well, and the one thing that's uh, kind of cool about tomorrow, and we and we did the later post today due to the heat, but it actually worked out really well because we had a pick five carryover at the start of the card, so they bet an extra 65000 into that pool. But handle was up about 400000 from prior Wednesday, so maybe nice. we learned a little bit something with the later post and just kind of keeping the pace moving. Tomorrow, Delmar comes into the mix. So because of sure. that, you know they're at the top and the bottom of the hour. So we're going to go at 10-2. And then at 20 after, and we'll just stagger right with them the whole way through for the uh, seven races for us. Should be right back on the turf course tomorrow, which is a good thing. But yeah, we kind of set it up in a way where we think it'll be a really nice sequence and having that grass racing definitely going to help. Absolutely. And I mean, as I as we'll go through, I mean, there's the, besides, I mean, that what we're covering, there's a main special weight, an yep. optional claiming, uh, a listed stake, yep. and then you're claiming 20,000. But again, a mile on the turf that everyone loves those type of races so hopefully uh the handle continues to improve as hawthorne's putting out better and better product coming yeah. these coming weeks and it's one of those things that's been interesting because we had the purse increase that had come up a couple of uh, condition books ago 
and you're seeing the better quality races fill, and it gives us the opportunity to use those better races. So Sunday's card is very similar. It's a lot of those allowance races, maiden allowance races, really nice fields, and we have the capabilities to be able to use it because you're doing a little bit better per scenario-wise. You're doing a little bit better handle-wise at Hawthorne, so that's been the thing that's benefited us this mean has definitely helped the horsemen here in Illinois. I mean, absolutely, and obviously that's the big thing that at Hawthorne is what you guys want to do is help, right. um, sadly, what is becoming you know a smaller and smaller industry, which is the Illinois horse program. So anything to benefit them, obviously everyone in Illinois is on board with that. Yep. But the, the first race we're talking about, Jim, is the fourth race at Hawthorne. It's the seven race card tomorrow. It's will start at 6.20 p.m. Central time, 7.20 p.m. Eastern. It's a full. It's a field of seven going a mile mile and 70 yards on the dirt course um and like i said i'm going to put your picks on the screen right now and your top pick is the number two ice axe for manny perez and javier tavares yeah and it's an interesting race because there's four horses that are in the in the mix the two ice axe the five maneuver six merlotti and seven boone's path and it's just going to kind of come down to pace more than anything else because mm -hmm. boone's path should show a little bit of speed on the outside but with a couple of the first timers and lightly raced horses in there i think they keep things honest up front and you see the progression of the races for Ice Axe over the course of those last few starts. They've all been pretty solid since coming over to Hawthorne. They've all been two turns, but the horses gradually improve in each and every start out. And that last out came running at him late in the lane. Minnesota Moon was a horse that ran a really nice race in that spot. That one's facing winners actually on Sunday's card. And I think Ice Axe just gets a really good trip from that second flight and should come running at him in the lane. Which I agree with. I have this horse second. Um, I had the number um, six on top for John yep, Wayne. Yep. Which I'm sure which we'll talk about next. And we had the same top three actually in this spot, but I agree with you. The number two, Isaac seems like he's finally getting good at the right time for Manny Perez after switching to the Perez barn from the Dorachenko barn. He's actually improved significantly. So if he can continue to get the right trip in this spot with Tavares up, I think he's extremely interesting. And real quick, Jim, before we move on to the number six, yep. I have a comment in here from Richard Avalar. Yep. He says, who is Mr. Miller's favorite horse of all time? And I know it's a very loaded question for a guy like yourself being in the horse industry so long, but he's putting you on the spot. Um, and no, no, and he's not really putting me on the spot. So there's two different horses for me. One, when I was growing up and racing, you'll have to look way back to even find this horse. There was a horse by the name of Filipino Boy, who was a cheap $5,000 claimer who used to get 25 to 30 lengths back every single time. And with the long Hawthorne stretch, would always come charging late in the lane. So that was the horse that first off, I really kind of fell in love with. And then more recently, it's interesting because it's a horse that the stake is actually named after for the handicap on tomorrow's card. And that's work all week. And for those yep. that know, when I wasn't at Hawthorne, I spent a brief time working for Midwest Thoroughbreds. And when I was working for Midwest Thoroughbreds was right at the time that work all week was making his debut and getting his career started. So I was able to help kind of chart out that path for work all week, all the way to the point that you saw him progress to be a Breeders' Cup Sprint champion. So this was a horse that I knew early on at the start was going to be a fantastic racehorse. So to watch his progression throughout and now to get the name of race after him has been very cool as well. I mean, that's just, I love those types of stories. And hopefully, like I said, that's my goal with that. You see on the back wall, yep. hopefully you can get one of those up on the wall, but sorry to derail the conversation. Oh, no, that's fine. I just wanted to bring him in real quick, but the number six, Marlotti, Wayne Wright, uh, Julio Felix. And this is another one that has the numbers, um, just hasn't been able to put it together. 
Yeah, and consistency-wise, this is a horse that has been pretty consistent based on the numbers. You see that race at Churchill Downs? That was the best speed figure. That was the one-turn race, though. So you're going two turns in that last down. Merlotti chased the pace in there, and I think probably needed that start. You're coming back for the second start back here off the layoff, second start back of the meet here at Hawthorne, and this is one that after you had that those races early on in the meet, and then you went to Churchill and then kind of come back, I think they just need to kind of stay at home at Hawthorne. And I think this is a horse that should be able to rate up close to the pace, chase the entire way, definitely gets to jump on ice axe in this spot. And we'll see what kind of a price Merlotti is as well. Yeah. And obviously like you have this horse at five to two, Yep. Uh, the number seven Boone's path. Who's on the outside. You have nowhere. And I had nowhere either. Yeah. Just, I mean, over 13, it's a very hard tr horse to trust. And realistically these numbers back at Hawthorne in December fit, but yeah, the numbers on dirt as of late, I mean, just not very good at all. Here's the thing that's interesting. I mean, Manny Esquivel is riding a Hawthorne this week because Horseshoe Indianapolis has taken a week off. And everything that he's come in and ridden, he's ridden very well. He won the stake today aboard Ovoir for uh, trainer yep. Chris Block. He knows this track. This is the track that he got started at when he was a bug rider. And Boone's Path It's one of those horses where I think what it was was they showed some promise early on. They said, okay, we're Kentucky bred, so we're going to run for some of those monster pots in Kentucky and see if we can be competitive. And then they found out they just weren't able to be competitive enough to get into the mix. Come back over to Hawthorne. I think the horse is going to take some action because it can show some speed. But like you mentioned, when you're looking at 0 for 13, it's really hard to endorse on top. And I do think this horse will probably be bet down to the favorite in this spot. I was going to say, it might even be harder to endorse. Yeah. That the horse is going to be 8 to 5. Exactly. So the last horse we have um, in this spot is Maneuver for yep. Manny, another Manny Perez runner for Glockenberg. But only second time out, so it could show some improvement. And the thing is, a lot of these times when you see these sprinters stretching out to go two turns, these are horses that are likely to show some speed. And Manny Perez... He will keep both horses in, and he will work one with the other because it is the same owner. So if you think Ice Axe is going to be the best horse, then maybe Maneuver is the one that's going to go out there and kind of push Boone's path along early on and try to keep that pace on and stuff front. If the horse runs on, that's fine. If it doesn't, then Ice Axe will come running at him late. Manny has done this numerous times on the meet where both horses stay in. One of them runs well, and the other one still hangs around for a share. He's had himself a pretty good meet, but I could see that being the reason why Maneuver's in this spot easily could be and you know whether the horse shows i um, should show a little bit more speed than last yeah. time out especially but it was really interesting yeah obviously this horse being street cry and ira causeway they tried to throw him on the turf last time right ended up running really well in the dirt so i'm sure that's manny's um idea for this spot but yeah. jim's going two six five in race number four at hawthorne the next race jim is race five um mine and howard's favorite type of race the turf yeah. sprint going five and a half on the turf for Phillies, optional claiming of 40,000. And the morning line favorite is uh, the number four, right? My lips are sealed right. for Chris Block, um, who you are going with in this spot. I'm going with in this spot. And the thing that I'm trying to figure out is this is a move that isn't your typical Chris Block move because mm -hmm. the horse is proven around two turns on the turf. And he says, okay, I'm going to try the horse at five and a half. Now, it's paid off for him with a couple of other horses earlier on in the meet, so maybe you get the setup for My Lips Are Sealed to settle back early on and come running at him late in the lane because I think that's going to be the style for this horse. The question is going to be the amount of pace in this race. Just a wonder, maybe show speed. I think Juju's special girl can show speed, a lip liner, and plus chic. So with four of them possibly going out there, I do think My Lips Are Sealed just kind of sits back early on comes running at him late in the lane, and I like that Chris Amy stays aboard. He's one of the strongest finishers on the Chicago circuit. He's ridden this horse well in the last couple, and I think he gets enough pace to run down in this spot. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you by any means. Um, I actually went with the number two Juju special girl yep. who hopefully can show uh, be tactical in this type of spot um, for Armando Hernandez. And I believe that's Walter Rodriguez. Who it I is. We don't see him too much on the Illinois circuit, but um, he's a very nice rider out. Some uh, That runs for Wesley Ward in Kentucky, yep. especially in the spring. But um, I thought the number two might be up close and hopefully could get first run on a lot of these other horses. Well, and what's interesting is Walter Rodriguez is riding a couple of horses for Armando Hernandez because he's going to ride the stake as well. But you figure you look at this horse, okay, you get a really talented bug rider. You get a horse that's proven at the distance on the grass. And this is a horse that just overall has that speed where they can go out there and contend early on, battle the entire way around. And if anybody's going to get the jump out of the four pace horses, I think this is the one that can do so and may even get overlooked at a little bit of a price. Hey, I agree. And that's what I saw that 92 price on a horse yeah. like Juju Special Girl is what really intrigued me. But you have the numbers, uh, the number seven in plus second Sheik. plus Sheik for Michelle Boyce and um, and Sentineau and Alexis Sentineau. Excuse me, I could not think of her name, yeah. but um, plus Sheik. The thing about plus Sheik is you look at the recent starts on the main track and they've been OK. You get back to those turf starts, especially last fall. That one on October the 16th was a good effort. It was at this level. That was a solid field. Sharp Harrow, the horse that ran third, came back and ran a really big race today. And you're looking at Plus Sheik being a horse that has enough tactical speed and that outside draw with the long run down the backside in the turn. I think rates close. I don't think they go for the front. I think maybe they tuck in and lay second in that spot. And you get to jump on a horse like my lips are sealed. But I do think you're going to get every bit of the 7-2 to two on Plus Sheik as well. I agree, and obviously those races back uh, last year at Hawthorne definitely fit in this type of spot, and whether she shows as much speed as she did that uh, in that uh, race is the question, but um, getting Alexis Sentinel, who's done really, really well at this meet at Hawthorne, I think is only an upgrade from the other jockeys she's been running with, so I really do also like Plus Chic in this spot as well. Yeah, and Michelle Boyce's horses have been really kind of heating up. Everything in the barn has been running very well now that they're getting those second and third starts out. So I could see this horse running in a much improved race also. I agree with you completely. You have the number two, um, the last race as your number – or no, Juju Special Girl, which yeah, we already talked about. Yep. Excuse me. I thought you had that horse nowhere, but I cannot – I cannot see apparently. You're fine. Uh, it's spending boozing. Maybe you've had a couple. You're okay. I'll let hey, go. I mean, I'm already, yeah, this is number three. So I guess we're going too <laughs> fast, but my apologies. But the work all week is the next race. Yep. It's the featured race on the card at Hawthorne on Thursday. Purse of 75,000 going six and a half furlongs on the dirt. And you are going with the number four on top, WW Candy from Max Quinones, I believe. Yeah, Max Quinones. Yep. Quinones. Okay. And uh, Abel Escano. Here's the thing about this race. This is a really talented bunch. You know Kevad on the inside is a very good racehorse. Tape to Tape is a very fast horse from the barn of Larry Ravelli. But WW Candy has been solid at Hawthorne. You look at those last couple of starts, they've been really good efforts. That was a big performance in that start two back. That was a really solid field that day. Settled back early on, and they went fast in that spot. 21-4, and 45-1, and and everything set up nicely. Well, the last out got some pace to chase again. And again, came running at him late in the lane. And I think they're going to go just as fast in this spot. But the key is the distance for this race, Kyle. If it was at three quarters of a mile, I would worry a little bit about WW Candy getting up with some of these really fast racehorses. But at six and a half furlongs, that was what Ovar needed today to get yep. up in time to catch Sharp Harrow late in the lane. It could be what WW Candy needs as well to run by horses like Kavad, tape to tape, maybe even Devil's Tower. 
And I actually didn't have this horse anywhere, but that is, that brings up a very good point is this horse has been only running at six and you'll see a lot of races, you know, losing by a half, losing by a neck, losing by, you know, two and a half, something like that. Giving that horse a little bit extra ground. I think WW candy will relish that extra half furlong and definitely could get up going down the lane. Yep. Um, and then just, you go to the outside. I mean, the thing is with six tape, the tape and the seven devil's tower, those are both two horses that are worth the look. The Seven Devils Tower, here's one thing that's been interesting. This owner, Antonio Donato, has made a lot of these high price claims at Churchill Downs, 30000 40000 50000 and they're immediately coming over to Hawthorne and running big races. And you look at this one, claim for 40000 on May the 26th, comes back, gets out of jail, and all of a sudden wins that optional 40 and posts a number. That's the same number as WW Candy, yep. and it was with a really good stalking trip. But they've been doing this time and again. You get Walter Rodriguez aboard again. So this is a guy that's coming to ride for this barn. And this is a horse that I think you're going to get that three to one. So if you're looking at an eight to $8, $9 horse, it's definitely worth going to. But I think Devil's Tower is a horse that can figure. And then the one right next to it, the six, tape the tape. This is a horse that's very fast. This is a horse from the barn of Larry Ravelli. Those starts at Prairie Meadows, probably wins this race. The start at Oakland Park probably wins that race as well. Now the Presque Isle start, and that start at Hawthorne against the optional 62.50, brings some others into the mix here. And because there's some other pace in the race, I think tape to tape wings it from the start on the get-go. But if Kavad goes from the inside, that's the one thing that could push things along. At and the six and a half furlongs could compromise the chances as well. Which I completely agree with, and that's why I like Devil's Tower a lot. I think he's a little more tactical yep. than a horse like tape to tape to where he could set off the pace with Walter Rodriguez and hopefully get first run and all the horses behind him. But uh, Antonio Donato, I believe, um, Anthony Donato, as he was no, also known as, um, I, he used to do this a lot with Revis, with Mike yep. Revis, yep. Um, where he would claim these you know horses in Kentucky and then bring them to Arlington or Hawthorne Arlington for the summer, Hawthorne for the winter, and he'd put them in these optional claiming spots and be very, very competitive. As you know, sadly, they said the uh, the Illinois product went has gone down in recent years. So you claim these horses from Kentucky, bring them over, and they end up running really well. So it's not his first rodeo with this type of race with these type of races either. And he's been smart to do it because right now with the purses going up, it's one of those. Okay, if you take mm -hmm. this horse, claim it for forty. If you run for the optional forty and they claim the horse for the forty thousand in that first start out, and you get a good chunk of the purse, okay, you've turned a profit, so you've done your job. But when yep. you have some of these horses like this, where it gets through that last start and doesn't get claimed. And now all of a sudden you're running in a stakes race and you have a chance to get black type as well. It's a really good move for a horse that eventually then he could come out well ahead and then try to turn the horse around. And maybe even you drop it for an optional 35 or 30 and somebody claims the horse and you get another purse as well. Hey, I mean, absolutely. Trust me. There's nothing wrong with catching a piece of a purse. Right, That's right. for damn sure. Right. But the, the last race on the card at Hawthorne is a claiming 20,000 going a mile on the turf course. And the morning line favorite is the number five, I believe, a lukewarm no, seven, favorite. Seven. The seven, seven yep. charge account for yep. Foster Gutierrez coming up from Gulfstream Park gets to Vars. Three to one, and that's the horse you're going with in this Yeah, And I think you get the three to one. Here's the thing. Fausto Gutierrez has sent four horses to Hawthorne on the meet. Two of them have won, and then you have a couple that have finished third. I think it's actually five horses now. But Charge Account is a horse that I think is probably at its best on the turf. You see those starts on the grass, the 76 figures and that. A lot of them were last summer in New York. But then the race at Gulfstream 2 back I thought was a pretty solid race. Should have the ability to rate close to the pace, and there's really not a whole lot of speed in here. The one prancy pants is probably loose and lonely on the lead. Charge account is a horse that I think rates in the second flight. 
Command point is going to be right there as well, but those are the two that are going to have to try to catch the pace setter. And I think charge account off those last couple of starts, you get another good finishing rider in Javier Tavares in the saddle, and I think this is a horse that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, winning winning at Saratoga going a mile, you know, just right. a year ago at this spot, obviously for 20000 in claiming, but for Thomas Morley, then gets claimed by Maker, and then gets claimed by Fausto next out race. Hasn't shown necessarily the exact form that he showed at Saratoga, but... I mean, these even this race at Goldstream could be good enough to win in this type of spot. Yeah, and the thing about it, the turf's going to have a little bit of give. This is a horse that's good on a wet turf course as well, but it'll probably be listed as good tomorrow after being off the grass today with the rain that we had. It's only going to help the chances of this horse. I completely, completely agree with you. You have the number five uh, command point in second. You yep. kind of touched on a little bit for Block and Esquivel, but um, he's another very logical horse in this spot. And, and you see all the races on the turf. The they're, they're usually pretty consistent races, but you see that race two back. I was standing on the turf course watching that race, and Prancy Pants went cruising right by us the first time and went cruising by us the second time. Command point had every chance to run by Prancy Pants in the lane and didn't do so in that spot. Now, you looked at the next start out going the mile, and they went really quick for the opening quarter. And Prancy Pants was pushed along in there. And that was the thing that compromised that one. And it set things up nicely for command point. This feels more like that race on June the 4th, where Prancy Pants might be able to cruise along, maybe back down the pace a little bit and kick away in the end and at least hang around. And I think command point's just going to have to get in contact a little bit sooner in this spot. But a repeat of that last performance would put the horse right there. Like I said, you're just you're taking all the words out of my mouth, Jim. I love it because you're seeing the race exactly the way I am. Just that's the one thing that scared me was this horse has been, you know, I mean, 21 and 21 right. flat last yeah. time out. Going a mile, right? Very, very quick. Even for especially for horses at like this level. So that twenty that twenty thousand claiming, um, you'll probably see closer to that twenty-two and four, which you right. said I agree with. So hopefully command point can sit, like you said, a little bit closer. And the last horse you have in the spot is Prancy Pants, yeah. as you touched on again a little bit, but this one is looks like going to be at the speed towards the uh, speed of the speed. Excuse me. He's he's been a different racehorse this meet. You look at the last three starts. I mean, all of a sudden this horse turned into a racehorse. It seems mm -hmm. because you have a sixty-eight up on the turf in that start with a horse beat command point. You came back. Yeah, that race where the horse couldn't make the lead when they went twenty-one and change forty-six, but the horse still held on to finish second in there. And then the last out again, just dominant on the slop in a race that came off the turf. This is a different racehorse. Things have turned around. It's kind of coincided with that move to the bar and a trainer, John Widower. Because you mm -hmm. look, you go back six starts. Okay, horses with Oscar Sanchez all of a sudden moves over to Widower's barn and has moved up. And John Widower has had a tremendous meet. This is a guy that's stable down at Fairmont Park, shipping horses up time and again to Hawthorne and running well. You're stepping up from a 10 claimer in for 20, but command points doing the same. That's the one thing where I think charge account has a little bit of an advantage over those two. I do agree with that. And the nice thing is, um, you know, it's he Widower knows what he's doing with this horse, right. and he's not necessarily throwing him up into 20K just because he wants right. a little bit of a shot at a better purse. You know, this right. horse, Prancy Pence has done exactly what you need from a horse at the 10 claiming level and even lower than that to be able to warrant a bump up in class for this type of horse. And if he can get either, you know, a decent lead or at least a uh, decent pace in front of him. He'll get first run. And I think Prince fans is extremely interesting in this. I, well. I think he's going to get 23 and change for the opening quarter. If he can go out there and get 47 to the half, he could very easily steal the race, which is what, um, you know, what we talked about with the other horses in this race, where you're not going to get that 21 right. flat, right. especially in a race like this, where there doesn't seem to be a lot of pace on paper, but um, Jim, your pick four ticket. We're going to yep. switch back here. Um, to just us full screen 
and um, a little bit more than last week, but still very, very hittable ticket and a very, very playable one for 36 points. Well, and it's funny. I want to touch on the horse last week that I singled, a horse by the name of Aviano, because it was something you very rarely see. The horse came out of the gate and flat out refused to mm-hmm. run. Mm-hmm. And they vetted the horse out after, and they come to find out that the, that they just said the horse had really bad feet. And the jock said it was almost like the horse was just trying to lift his feet and just didn't seem to like the surface. So that's something that you want to make a note on for Aviano, even if you see the horse back at the races. But I kind of figured you were going to have a softer turf course. The horse would have relished it, flat yep. out refused to run. And you very rarely see that. Yep. They had the outrider had to grab the horse and walk him right off the course. All right, now looking at this ticket, no singles for me, but there's not going to be any real heavy favorites in this spot True. either. So if you can just defeat one or two favorites along the way, you're going to get a nice return. It's a $36 ticket. We have a 15% takeout, but you see my numbers there. The four logical horses in the first leg in race number four, two, five, six, seven. Race five is two, four, seven. Uh, the stake in race six is going to be the four, six, and seven. And then just too deep, I'm, I'm leaving Prancy Pants off my ticket. I'm just going to go with the five command point and the seven charge account. I think they're a little bit classier, and I think one of those two runs one, two in the finale. I like I said I love it because although although you're not taking very many stands in this type of ticket, you're getting to the point where you as you stated, there's not many you know very heavy favorites. Right. So even if you know you get one of the favorites in one legs, you know if, if four to one, nine to two versus a seven to All two, you're you're still bumping up that ticket extremely well and could and especially for a track with low takeout as Hawthorne as you stated 15 percent that could mean all the difference yeah it could mean all the difference you're looking at a track that is playing very evenly too so that's the thing that helps you'll have a dry racetrack a little bit later on the day and I'll be curious to see Kyle it may be something that benefits the betters that play Hawthorne all the time because again it's just going to be kind of us and Del Mar later on in the day so with staggering that, you're going to have the money from the California pools coming in. That's going to be beneficial as well. And maybe it boosts up something like the late pick for a pool where you can get a little bit of a uh, better return for your payout as well. Absolutely. And I'm going to end the show here, Jim, with a very nice comment from one of our um, one of our most um, loyal viewers, who yep. Charles B. says, Jim, yeah, love to see the I love to see the collaboration with Indian Hawthorne Phil Gray cards. It's fantastic for the sport. And as you said, you know, a lot of these horsemen that when they don't, when Indy has a week off or something like that, they come up to Hawthorne and help you guys out and running. Cause I know a lot of people that run down at Indy used to be Illinois people as well. And one of the things that's interesting is we have a great working relationship with the horsemen down at Horseshoe Indianapolis. Chris Polzin, the uh, racing secretary there, was the assistant racing secretary at Hawthorne for a long time, was the racing secretary at Arlington. Eric Halsham, the general manager down at Horseshoe Indianapolis, is great too. We coordinate. We'll text back and forth and say, hey, what are you looking at for post times today? Is there weather coming? Are we going to speed up? Or are we going to slow down? But if you've noticed all meet long, we've never run on top of Horseshoe Indianapolis. And it's because we do coordinate when you have the two midweek cards and they do a great job all the time with their midweek cards. We want to make sure we avoid them because it's only going to help both racetracks. Well, and that's what I know. It's a crazy concept, right? Not to run on top of other racetracks and, you know, to get more handle for yourself. It's a it's a crazy concept, (laughs) but it seems like a lot of people don't take that into effect nowadays. And it's knowing who you are. I mean, we know that we're not going to go up against Saratoga today. We're not going to go up against Del Mar. Just you're not going to be. In, in that point where you can battle with them because you're going to lose. So if yep. you can stagger, stay 10 minutes away, it's going to benefit because then they may look up and say, hey, I'm going to play a multi-race wager there. And then you have them tied in for two, three, four races. And it's something where you can kind of maybe expose your product to a new better also. I mean, and just the fact, obviously I'm an, I'm an Illinois guy, but yep. 
I, I mean, you do that from experience, right? You're sitting at the OTB and you know your your race goes off and you're like, oh man, what am I gonna do for the next 20 minutes? Right. Oh, you know what? Hawthorne's up there, it's got 10 minutes to post. I'll look at that. So like I said, it's a crazy concept, but it really does help. Um, it really does help your racetrack. And it's nice that you guys have a working relationship because I went down to Indy um for my first time um when they had the Indiana Derby and they put on yep. a great product there as well as Hawthorne does. So it's an absolutely great thing to see. And Howard, and again, sorry, sure. Jim, we'll keep you on a little bit more, sure but right. we'll end with this one, kind of give you guys a little bit to see uh, f- the floor to you, Jim, to uh, kind of highlight what's coming up. Howard says, and is there any any contests coming up at Hawthorne? Well, I mean, there's always contests coming up. We're in the midst of another online qualifier that provides NHC seats as well. And we have contests all year long. The big contest that everybody wants to start focusing on is the one that surrounds Thanksgiving weekend because there's so many seats on the line at Hawthorne. We do real money contests. There's no buy-in for any of these. Keep what you make. There's NHC seats. We've given away seats for Breeders' Cup betting challenge in the past, the Pegasus challenge, all sorts of things. But when you can come in and play the tracks that you play, that's the thing. We don't, we don't stick you with a certain track that you have to bet. It's not $2 win place. It's betting a bankroll. So if you want to check out the contest uh, setup and the schedule, go to HawthorneRaceCourse.com. We have a tab right there for the contest. It'll give you all the dates for the contest, kind of tell you the format as well. And if you have any questions, just hit me up on Twitter at Hawthorne Jim, and I'll answer them for you as well. Absolutely. Jim's always available. He does a very nice job of replying to anyone that uh, reaches out to him on Twitter. So, yeah, if you have any questions, please reach out to him. And um, I'm, a, um, I'm a frequent of the contest, Jim. I love the format that you guys do. And I'm a very, um, as my whole group is, as I'm sure you know, very big advocates for the live money stuff. And um, it's not only, you know, there's no restrictions at all. Right. You know, you can play tracks, you can play different wagers, whatever you want. It kind of gives, it leaves the floor to the player and um, gives a lot of openness, which I really enjoy. And, and that's the goal. Play it as you would a day at the races. And that's what mm-hmm. you want to do. Go out there. If you're going to bet, some of our contests are $300, some are $500. If you're going to bet close to $500 for a day at the races anyway at the OTB, get in the contest. It's free. We're not going to make you pay another 50 bucks or 100 bucks yep. or whatever to get in the contest. It's free. You just sign up, start playing, and then you can go from there. And if you have a good day, that's maybe you get that seat for the NHC. That's what I was going to say. You know, maybe if um, maybe if you have a good day at the track like you would normally, maybe right. you'll be taking a maybe you'll keep get your a free trip anyway. to Vegas. Yep. That's exactly right. But Jim, like I said, thanks so much for coming on. Greatly appreciate you guys and everything you do over to Hawthorne. And the fact that you literally ran in to your house <laughs> after the races, um, I greatly appreciate it. So like I said, uh, thank you very much for joining, Jim. It's always yeah, a fun time when you're you on. You got it. And hopefully everybody can tune in tomorrow again. Late post, 4.50 p.m. Central time. We'll stagger with Delmar for all seven races. A good card. I do expect we're back on the grass. So hopefully everybody can tune in for the racing action tomorrow. Absolutely. Don't want to miss Hawthorne, especially tomorrow as they run some very, very nice races out there and with some very low takeout wagers for you to play on. That's always the big key for Jim Miller, director of racing race while racing. I saw Mike Tyson moment, but three drinks, three yeah. drinks <laughs> for the director of racing at Hawthorne race course. And for your host, Kyle Roscoe, it's been episode 32 of betting and booze in here on the HHH racing podcast for everyone playing Hawthorne tomorrow and Saratoga on Friday. Crush your bets, everybody. Have a good night.